Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Well, the Bible warns believers very clearly about the dangers of wealth. Even secular sources acknowledge the pitfalls of greed. The University of California, Berkeley, released a report, and it states, psychologists who studied the impact of wealth and inequality on human behavior have found that money can powerfully influence our thoughts and actions in ways that we're often unaware of, no matter our economic circumstance. Research is uncovering how wealth impacts our sense of morality, our relationships with others, and our mental health. Well, that's one of the subjects that's being covered in Becoming Useful to God, Biblical Reflections Inspired by D.L. Moody. The D.L. Moody Center, is uh, their latest devotional, addresses the issues like wealth and greed from a unique biblical perspective. It's week five in an eight-week study, Free from the Love of Money. Well, Dr. James Spencer uses Job 31, verses 24 and 28, as a way to discuss the purposes of money in a Christian life, They're to uh, use in service of God rather than self-serving. Well, that subject and many others are covered in this great devotional. Well, here to talk with us about that is James Spencer. He is a theologian and Christian leader who helps individuals and organizations ask and answer the necessary questions so that they can move forward from where they are to where God wants wants them to be. He earned his Ph.D. in theological studies from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, serves as an administrator and leader in Christian higher education. He continues to consult with Christian colleges and seminaries, as well as nonprofit organizations to help them build stronger organizational capacity. He currently serves as president of D.L. Moody Center, an independent nonprofit organization inspired by the life and ministry of Dwight Moody and dedicated to proclaiming the gospel and challenging God's uh, call to follow Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to talking about this uh, devotional that's available to our listeners. Dr. Spencer. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a real joy to have you. I want to begin sort of at the beginning and not assume that all of our listeners are familiar with the D.L. Moody Center and for that matter, D.L. Moody. So let's start at the beginning and maybe you can give us a bit of background. Sure. Dwight Moody was a 19th century evangelist. He traveled uh, the United States and really uh, large portions of the world proclaiming the gospel. Um, He also started three schools, two in Northfield, Massachusetts, a small town in Western Mass. Uh, Northfield Seminary for Girls, and Mount Hermon School for Boys. And those were more like boarding schools for teenage boys and girls who couldn't afford an education otherwise. And then he started the Chicago Bible Institute, which is now the Moody Bible Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, He also held summer conferences uh, on the property that D.L. Moody Center owns and operates in Northfield, Mass. And these summer conferences were designed to just invite Christians of all different sorts of denominations and perspectives to come together for worship, for prayer, for Bible study, and to discern the Holy Spirit. And D.L. Moody really believed that when he brought Christians together to do those four things, that God would do great things through them. And so the D.L. Moody Center is an organization that is dedicated to echoing that message, to um, continuing that work, and to really convening, challenging, and uh, and encouraging Christians to proclaim the gospel uh, through word and deed. I appreciate that's what, uh, that's what we do. 
I appreciate that the in the description of the D.L. Moody Center, it's a destination for spiritual renewal. And you work in right. concert with local churches. And um, that's that's such uh, a, a needed partnership for local churches, many of which struggle with resource. So this is a tremendous opportunity for Very the much. church. Yeah, very much. And we we really enjoy hosting, uh, you know, smaller churches, smaller men's retreats, smaller women's retreats. Um, It's been great to have the facilities to just um, provide low cost accommodations and a nice, quiet place for those groups to get together and really um, pray, worship, study and uh, think about where the Holy Spirit is leading them together. Mm. And it's wonderful to be able to get away for a moment to really reflect on those things. <laughs> That's we're, right. We're talking today about a resource that you've recently produced, Becoming Useful to God, Biblical Reflections Inspired by D.L. Moody. And it's part of the Shine Bright 365 um, effort. Can you describe the uh, devotional and the Shine Bright movement, if you will? Sure. So the devotional is really based on a book that we recently published called Useful to God. And Useful to God is, uh, is was really a, a modernization of a book written by a gentleman named R.A. Torrey, who was a contemporary of D.L. Moody. And he wrote a book called Why God Used D.L. Moody and listed seven characteristics um, that he felt made D.L. Moody useful to God. And so the book contains seven of those characteristics in addition, and one uh, additional characteristic that I've added. Um, and we've sort of updated that text and, and made it more accessible for a modern audience. And the goal is really to alert Christians to the fact that, you know, we focus on who we are in Christ. God is going to be able to do many more things through us than if we just focus on what it is that we're doing on a daily basis. And so we need to cultivate these characteristics in us in the same way that D.L. Moody cultivated these characteristics in himself. The, the Shine Bright 365 campaign is really in line with that. What we're doing there is we're trying to get Christians to understand that we're to be doers of God's Word. And we're not just supposed to learn. Discipleship is not just about learning or education. It's about learning to obey, learning to observe all Christ commanded. And so the Shine Bright 365 campaign provides exercises and disciplines for Christians to walk into on a daily basis that will lead them toward a more faithful witness to Jesus Christ. How are we doing in general um, as the body of Christ and being useful to God? And, and perhaps we should take a moment to describe what does it mean to be useful to God? Yeah, I think when Dion Moody used the term, what he was really trying to convey was each individual Christian surrendering their own ambitions to the Lord and following after him in all things that they did. Uh, One of the things that's written in the Northfield Seminary for Girls Handbook that I found uh, compelling and helpful was they encouraged the students to read their Bibles. And uh, the way they phrase it is like this. They say, we want students to experimentally test the meaning and value of the scriptures by doing God's word. And and I think that that is really where um, the modern-day church needs to sort of get back to doing that. We need to get back to just doing the basics of the faith, focusing in on who we're supposed to be in Christ, doing these small, what what I would consider sort of the foolish activities in the eyes of the world, prayer, worship, uh, community together, serving, um, caring for the poor, caring for those who are on the fringes of society— 
These are things that um, are odd and strange and mark us out as as Christ followers in unique and important ways. And so the extent to which the church is doing that, I think, varies. I think some of it is um, many times we just don't hear the really good stories that are, are sort of out there. And so my sense is that the, the church overall is doing more of this than we often see because we tend to get a little bit too involved in the scandals and the bad stuff. Um, but the reality is that uh, I, I would say New England is a fantastic microcosm of this. You know, New England has the impression that the church is sort of spiritually dead. And yet, as we work in New England, what we continue to uncover is um, the faithful Christian groups, small groups of Christian people who are just embattled. They're continuing the good fight. They're doing things on a small scale, ten-year uh, prayer movements, small discipleship movements. And these, these Christians are pushing forward in the right ways. They're there. They're just not as prominent as some of the other things that we often see going on. And so I, I have a tendency to believe that the church is in better shape than maybe mm-hmm. we think it is. And, uh, and, and that part of what we need to do is start focusing on the positive things that we're doing as believers and as a body of believers so that we can really motivate ourselves and, and continue the good work that, that seems to be going on already. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I'm here in Portland, Oregon, and we have a reputation here as well. But I do know that the church is at work and moving and people are faithfully praying and serving. So you're absolutely right. We may have an impression of what uh, the church is or isn't doing, but we know the scripture says the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the church. That's right. And when we decide as individuals and corporately as the community of faith, when we decide that we're going to faithfully honor God, he's going to move in ways that aren't going to make the headlines here in the Oregonian (laughs) Um, but God is at work. He's, he's faithful to every generation and will use those who faithfully serve him. I wanted to spend some time talking about one area that you cover in this devotional to give our listeners perhaps some idea of the depth and breadth of what they might expect. And that's the chapter that has to do with the love of money. We are just emerging from a pandemic. We're in the midst of a season of inflation, economic downturn, high prices, And our attention is rightly focused on the challenge, but it's entirely possible for us as Americans to have our focus in uh, in such a way that it is contrary to what God intends for us. Talk a little bit about the subject of free being free from the love of money and why this made the devotional. Yeah, I I think part of why I made the devotional was, you know, D.L. Moody had a way about running ministry that he Ari Torrey phrases it like this, um, millions of dollars came through D.L. Moody's hands, but none of it stuck to his fingers. And so he allowed money to flow through his hands into his ministry and really had no particular concern about how much wealth he was amassing. In fact, on his deathbed, he tells his uh, family, um, I've always been an ambitious man, ambitious not to leave you with many much wealth. Or with, uh, or with a lot of assets, but with much work to do. And I, I think that there's something that we need to learn from that. I think that we often get a little bit too obsessed with our financial situation, and that is not to diminish the very real needs that people have. But the reality is that um, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And 
our lives are not governed by how much money we make, how much money we save, how much money we earn, or how much money we may earn. Um, they're governed by how well we can walk obediently with the Lord. And so I, I think there's a reason that Paul equates greed with idolatry. Um, and I, I think part of that is that, um, you know, we really can't serve God and manna all at the same time. We, we truly have to make a choice. And if we're going to choose God, then the anxieties about money, the fear about money, the fear about our daily needs have to sit, go become secondary because truly we are supposed to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness so that God will give all those other things to us. I think at this season, there's a lot of fear surrounding money. What What's the future going to hold in terms of the economy? Um, you use Job 31 verses 24 through 28 as a way to discuss the purpose of money in a Christian's life. Can you talk a little bit about that and where we place concern about decisions others are making about uh, whether or not the money we do have is going to be enough? Should we look to Washington or in this case, Salem, where our capital is for the kind of security that most of us want? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's an appropriateness to looking to the government for um, some level of security. God puts the government in place, and so we don't want to completely discount the government. I think where we make our mistake is that we supplant the gift and the giver. Mm. And, uh, you know, when the government becomes something that supplants God, that we forget that God is the one who has given the government to us. And when the government can't provide, we're not out of options because God has limitless possibilities that he is able to use to provide for us. I think that's sort of the, the answer to the back half of your question. Um, when we look at the book of Job, I mean, what we see here is Job really very much sort of repenting and, and, and kind of saying, you know, listen, if I, were, if I were trusting in money, if I were trusting in gold, if this is where my confidence was, then there would certainly be iniquity. There would be sin here. But the reality is it's not. It, his trust is not in the money. I mean, if you think about what Job went through, he lost everything, uh, almost more than everything, everything but his own life. And uh, he, he still stays faithful to God. He still continues to look to God and say, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I still find you worthy of worship. I'm still going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to uh, compromise my beliefs or my integrity here. I'm just going to wait until you reveal what all of the suffering has been about and trust you that even though I've lost everything, things are going to be okay. And, and I think that that's sort of the attitude that we have to start to cultivate, and we need to start to cultivate it in, in two ways. Number one, when we lose things, and I think we're, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, I think we have lost something mm -hmm. as a people and a nation. There's a very real sense of unsettledness that we're dealing with, and that's a loss. Uh, many people have lost their jobs or their homes or their, you know, their, their, their security, their, their weekly paycheck. And those are real losses. And we have to look at those things and say, okay, is God still worthy despite all of these things? And the answer to that needs to be yes for Christians. At the same time, the second part is we also need to look at this in terms of generosity. Is that um, we should not find our security and money to the extent that we are unwilling to give, that we're unwilling to help our brothers and sisters in Christ or just the world at large. Because at the end of the day, the money is not what gives us our security. It's always God. 
And he's provided us with this wealth for a reason. And what we need to be doing is looking with eyes to see and listening with ears to hear so we understand how to distribute that wealth in a wise manner that is going to glorify him. One of the things you write about is greed, and greed has been elevated to virtually a virtue in our our culture. The scripture refers to it as a, a form of idolatry. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about um, greed and selfishness uh, in, in particular in view of um, economic hard times? What do we deprive ourselves of if we rely solely on what we can produce through our own efforts without um, recognizing the role that God plays in providing for our needs? Yeah, I think there's a, you know, I always go back to Deuteronomy, and I'm, I'm an Old Testament theology guy, so I always go back to Deuteronomy. But um, in Deuteronomy, one of the things that God warns the Israelites about is forgetting God when he has provided them with cisterns that they did not dig and houses that they did not build and vineyards that they did not plant. In other words, um, when we get well, we somehow begin to think that it is by the strength of our own hand that mm-hmm. we have accumulated it. We forget that it's a gift from God, that it's something he's given us. And I think the biggest danger for us when we think about greed as idolatry, that there, that is an important and real um, equation that Paul makes there. Uh, Because when we forget God, we begin to worship money. And what that has, the implications that that has are are almost endless. Um, Because as we begin to worship money, what we realize is that we have to work to get more of it. Money is not a kind master, in other words. Um, it sort of makes demands on us that God doesn't really make. Um, and, and I think within the context of, of you know, biblical theology, one of the things that I would say is money never gives us time to rest. Money never really gives us time to worship God. It's an mm. endless cycle of production, and we become cogs in a machine without really even knowing it. But when we worship God, when that is the focal point of who we are, when we, when we trust and love and find our security in him, when we remember him as opposed to forgetting him, he gives us rest. He gives us peace. And it's not that there's no work or effort in that. It's that the work and effort that we put in is, is sort of uh, empowered by God. It, it's, uh, he gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. And so um, that, to me, is the real distinction between working for God and working for money. The two just aren't equal masters, because God can provide so much more beyond what money could ever provide for us. And so when we work for money, we're really working for a secondary master, and ultimately we're becoming slaves to it in a way that um, diminishes who we are as human beings. Hmm. On the one hand, we have the option of contentment, and on the other hand, slavery. That's right. Seems like a pretty yeah. clear choice to me, but sometimes we struggle making the right one. Well, I am it's so delighted. Yeah, yeah. I'm so delighted with the devotional that we've been talking about. We focused on one area, but there are eight areas. Becoming useful to God, biblical reflections inspired by D.L. Moody. How can our listeners uh, download a copy? So they can just go. This is a free resource that we're offering. It's uh, moodycenter.org backslash useful to God. And all they do is go in, fill in their name uh, and email, and they can download a free copy of it at moodycenter.org 
backslash useful to God. I'll make sure we put that uh, information on our online resource, the Facebook page, and also the station page, kpdq.com. Thank you so much for your leadership um, at the, uh, the center and for taking the time to put the devotional together and to talk with us about it here today. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Again, Becoming Useful to God, Biblical Reflections, inspired by D.L. Moody. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.